goddamn. This is the best. This is the shit right here. Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. Hello, welcome back to the Waffle Press Podcast Retrospective. I'm your host, Diego Crespo. With me is Matt Garingo. Hi, Matt. Hi, everybody. We are here to talk about another series of films, because that's what we do in the retrospective. We break down the history, the production, analytical side of the films, and we're talking about maybe the biggest retrospective yet, at least in terms of like popularity, in, in, in terms of the film. Uh, we're talking about all the Batman movies, the theatrically released Batman movies, plus one. <laughs> The plus one. <laughs> plus one that we'll get into, because uh, we're big fans of that too. And what better place to start than with the original Batman 1966 film, Batman the Movie. <laughs> what better way to start this retrospective by talking about all the theatrically released Batman films than by skipping over two of them? <laughs> uh, I had, I, I've only seen glimpses of those on clips and still images like on Tumblr and Twitter. But Matt, you said those films... Or something are not not very good. <laughs> okay, they are they're mostly terrible. Uh, the guy playing Batman in the one is very out of shape. Oh, um, but not not that that's ever been a problem for any of the other Batman. <laughs> so, uh, but there's just there's really it's it's a curiosity, but we wouldn't have that. Much. It's a lot to watch with not that much to say because it exists. I mean, it, it shows you a different type of Batman. Because Batman was totally redefined by a certain 1960s television series. Which I also did not watch much of. Uh, kind of missed the boat for me. But unlike the other things I've mentioned on these retrospectives and podcasts that went over my head. Just different time, different age. Uh, I've always at least really admired the 66 Batman show. Because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> It is one of the best pieces of television comedy in the history of television. Oh, it's it's remarkable. It is so goddamn funny and so good. Um, I honestly, I would recommend anyone seek it out, and you can finally get it on DVD and Blu-ray because for years there was, I think, some dispute between the people that made it because um, I think. Warner Media owned the Batman rights, but then whatever TV show it, whatever channel it aired on, like owned the television rights, and they couldn't agree on a release. So for a long time, you couldn't get the show on DVD. Um, but now it's it's finally available, as is this movie. Uh, I I do not own the the updated Blu-ray packaging, but I remember a couple years ago at LA Comic Con, Burt Ward was there for I believe the anniversary. And he was highlighting, like, uh, clips from the episodes. To shell. Aww. <laughs> he seemed like a nice guy, though. But, um... If you look up, look up Conan O'Brien telling the story of the time he stole the Robin costume from Burt Ward. <laughs> it will not be a waste of time. It is one of the best stories I've ever heard. <laughs> um, but the picture quality, the sound, was was stunning. Like, that, that technical. It's really good. It's just gorgeous. 
I have the Blu-ray. It's amazing. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I, I, I want to get it one day. I will sit down to watch the entire run of the series, and um, I will, I will be delighted. I'm sure. Until then, I have the movie. And unfortunately, unfortunately, color is something that we will get diminishing returns on as the series continues. Yeah, beautiful Technicolor by Deluxe. Yeah, it looks... Color is desperately missing from later Batman films. I think it's just missing from, like, a lot of the big films in general. Like, uh, not not to derail the conversation right off the bat, but that's something I think I'm hey, always, always going to appreciate. Even for the new Star Wars films, they all have, mm-hmm. like, a texture and a color. They all look distinct enough yeah. from one another that they don't feel like just IP properties being shoveled out, even though that's kind of what's happening. <laughs> You know, like they all times. they all look like like real movies with like a vision. <laughs> well, <laughs> Even... Thankfully, you got you got people on those who seem to actually care about Star Wars, which it helps sometimes. Uh, but this, I mean, I think people forget the colorful cast of Batman villains that we tend to get. Um, which this show, I mean, the show kind of defined his rogues gallery because if you really look at Batman's history, all of his like quote unquote greatest villains are really spread out over his history and have really radically different interpretations. And sometimes it's just the same guys in, like, different costumes. It it might as well be the same villain. Um, The Joker and Catwoman are famously there from early on, but other than that, a lot of them, like, there will be 10-year spans between people we consider, like, definitive parts of Batman's rogues gallery. And I find that interesting. Yeah, and here in, in this film, uh, we got four. The Joker, Penguin, yes. Riddler, and Catwoman, uh, all who you just mentioned. But I, I also like that so many uh, um, worries about movies nowadays and with the superhero stuff is like, don't have too many villains. And then here's like, here's four right off the bat for the only official Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, for one, I mean, it, it's easier here because they all are basically the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not like, they're not complicated people. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, that's, that's what justifies this being a movie because other than that, it really does feel like they just kind of stuck three episodes of the series together, <laughs> including cliffhangers. <laughs> like, there are lots of cliffhangers that are immediately resolved. Um, but. One thing, this is the cast of the Batman TV show and this movie is some of the best in history. <laughs> Adam West as Batman is amazing. I think everyone knows um, the Adam West Batman. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Burt Ward as Robin. Um, we got, in the Rogue Scholar, we've got fucking Cesar Romero as the Joker. I think who, incredible. Just Incredible. incredible incredible joker except for the fact that he didn't bother to shave his mustache (laughs) so it's just white paint over his mustache oh i love it so much burgess meredith as the penguin which might be my favorite (laughs) and frank gorshin as the riddler we also get uh lee merriweather as a catwoman uh who not she's not the series catwoman julie newmar was the original catwoman on the series and later it was eartha kitt inspired um, eartha kit catwoman inspired oh yeah. all three of the cat women are they bring something to it and i enjoy it um we also we shouldn't uh forget uh alan napier as alfred um neil hamilton as uh commissioner gordon 
I can't remember the guy's name who played Chief O'Hara, but he's here too. <laughs> uh stafford rep yes aunt harriet appears um in this for like two seconds and i don't think she has any lines aunt harriet as some remember was added to the batman comic to uh add more female characters to the series after uh batman was accused of promoting a homosexual lifestyle (laughs) uh yeah We should say that, speaking of the comic, the comic was on the verge of cancellation when the TV series came along and saved it, which a lot of people tend to ignore. They, they, they're still, even until like a couple of years ago, there was this narrative that the Batman TV show was somehow the worst thing to ever happen to Batman, that it was like this horrible, embarrassing failure. That's, that's unfortunate. And it's ridiculous because, A, it's, it saved the comic. And B, like, it's a comedy. No one seems to understand <laughs> that it was meant to be a comedy. Like, a lot of comic people seem to think that this was someone's, like, genuine interpretation of the comics. And, I mean, in, in, on some level it was, I believe, Bill Dozier, who developed the series, he read the comics and said, the only way you can do this is campy because you can't take any of this seriously. <laughs> Again, it was it was decided as to be a comedy, first and foremost. And for a lot of people, this was their introduction to Batman. I think a lot of the people who would end up defining later Batman in the 80s and 90s, I mean, this was their introduction to Batman. And we will see a lot of carryover into the later films. Yeah, and I think it's, it's uh, in terms of fan reception, it's really co- started to come around on it. I think we're starting to see a lot of, because of the internet nowadays, we're seeing a lot more of uh, reanalysis of certain movies that maybe don't entirely work their first go around, but this does work because it, it is a comedy, <laughs> you know. It, yeah, it, it's a very well made uh, a comedic adventure family film. Well, because unfortunately for a lot of people of later generations, their first introduction to this are like people who are making fun of it. People who will say the Joel Schumacher films suck because they are like this this series. <laughs> And people who will just reference the ambiguously gay duo. Because, you know, Batman can't be gay. <laughs> What's gay about dressing up in leather tights and with a young boy and fighting crime? <laughs> Nothing gay about that. Uh, I want to mention the writer of the film really quick, Lorenzo Semple Jr., who also worked on the television series uh, and was also known for writing the Parallax View and Three Days of the Condor. <laughs> Just a fact that I had no idea about until I started researching this, and I'm so happy that's such a bizarre resume. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but hey, it just had a lot of talent behind it. So even if it, like it didn't, even if this was like a genuinely bad film, I can't possibly imagine someone walking away from this without like without being able to take away any sense of like excitement or joy or at least interest. It- I'd be surprised if, if people really can't go like, admire in, this. If you really go in with your guard up, you won't enjoy it. Like if you if you go in with the attitude that this is stupid and wrong, <laughs> you're not going to enjoy it. Because I've seen people do that. Like they don't get like they. I don't know. I try to explain to people that I like it, and they immediately go, "How can you like that idiocy?" And I'm like, "It's because it's idiotic." Like, <laughs> like I I don't know. It's and I don't want to. When you call something funny, like when you say it's stupid. And that's why you enjoy it. It sounds like you're putting it down, but no, like this is the most well-crafted stupidity and earnestness I've ever seen. So 
I think that's the key to it. It's earnest. And I have it in my notes. I was going to bring it up later. The kind of earnestness that can carry something this ridiculous and, quite frankly, a little goofy uh, or very goofy. Mm. I think it's the same reason why so many people are drawn to Kingdom Hearts. Even though it's goofy, uh, yeah. it's very goofy. It's totally ridiculous. The art styles are consistently clashing with one another. It shouldn't work. But people care because the story it's telling with the characters is completely, wholeheartedly sincere. Yes. There's there's not an ounce of cynicism in this film's body. But even in that, even in the Kingdom Hearts fandom, there's this weird subset of people who, like, hate the Disney aspects of it. It is weird. Which is fucking hilarious. But, like, okay, that's where we're drawing the line? Okay. Yeah. I, did, I don't understand it. And I feel like sometimes the creators of Kingdom Hearts don't lean heavily enough into the stupidity, but they lean just enough. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. <laughs> um, but it, it creates a wholly unique experience. But, like we said, this film features a team-up of four of Batman's rogues gallery. <laughs> the first team-up, I mean, the world. <laughs> the, the amount of terror that is in... The, Commissioner Gordon is filled with <laughs> when he finds out that Catwoman, the Joker, the Penguin, and the Riddler are all loose at the same time, and they could possibly be working together is astounding. Like, he can't even speak. He doesn't want to say it. Yeah, he's like, I, da I dare not say it, Batman. <laughs> There's a whole opening sequence. I think a lot of people know this opening sequence um, where they just they hop in the Batmobile. Uh, atomic batteries to power. Uh, <laughs> and uh, they they attack a hologram ship. They don't realize it's a hologram. It's a ship that's racing towards Gotham with a mysterious invention on it. Uh, which is, oddly enough, very similar to a device that will appear <laughs> like seven films from now. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, seven? Yeah. I'm trying to think. Seven, maybe eight, whatever. It's. I don't want to. It comes up. I don't want to play my exact hand, but it's in one of the ones that is known for its grittiness. <laughs> one of it is the, the where Batman stopped being full of bullshit. Yeah. The plot of that film, oddly enough, is very similar <laughs> to <laughs> Batman 66. We'll save it because I'll bring it up again. I, I will point it out when we get to it, uh, but, uh, and then in attacking the ship, Batman gets attacked by a shark that pulls his leg, and uh, we get the infamous back shark repellent, and he, which is part of a collection of oceanic repellent bat sprays, <laughs> um, which include barracuda, whale, and manta ray. <laughs> I just want to point that out because... Oddly enough, I think this series understands Batman better than any of the other films. <laughs> which is that Batman is prepared for every eventuality. <laughs> so, of course, he would have multiple oceanic <laughs> bat repellents. That's why it's like, it's so funny that those hardened, or the people that try to be like the hardened, edgy bat fans, they're like, no, 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 Batman could beat anyone as long as he has prep time. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> but then they'll look at this and be like, nah, that's too, that's too kiddie, that's too childish. And it's like, no, that's what you're saying. That's what you're all saying. This is, this is that white way of thinking taken to its logical extreme. <laughs> oh, and it, it's beautiful. This is the only way I accept it. Mm, it is. It's, it's fascinating. 
Um, it's a great take, and I wish they would embrace more of that in the later films. I almost think of, you ever see Black Dynamite? Oh, yeah. I, th- I threw that shit before I walked in the room. <laughs> That's Batman. <laughs> but Batman, I sell drugs to the community. <laughs> Exactly. Um, but so the ship, the ship that they attack, it disappears. It was a hologram projected to fool Batman and Robin. <laughs> we should mention that Batman is not on good terms with the local press of Gotham City. No, he's very he's very close with law, the law enforcement community. He tells people very straight up to support your local police. They even salute Batman as he's flying in the Batcopter. I I loved that. It's like man. Everyone, the world just this feels so simpler with it this. It gives a feller a good feeling knowing they're up there doing their job. <laughs> <laughs> they have a whole airport team that does, that, that houses the Batcopter. We should mention, these people making this, they knew what to do. They made sure Batman would use, he has a Batcopter in this. There's a Bat boat. There's the Bat cycle. <laughs> Yes, there's every vehicle. You The Batmobile, of course, which I love the look of the 60s Batmobile. But yeah, they, they made sure they knew to have multiple villains and multiple Bat vehicles. But they give a different story to the press. A, a very weak cover-up for what exactly happened with the yacht and that the shark exploded on its own. <laughs> that there was no foul play involved in that exploding shark. Uh, we get another moment that will oddly enough also be repeated. Where uh, Comrade Kitka <laughs> appears, um, who is from the Moscow Bugle, at least that's her cover. Uh, also, this movie, it has some very funny uh, USA, USSR <laughs> tensions <laughs> as like a backdrop of this film. And she wants Batman to take off his mask. And like, oh, like everyone in the room is shocked. Like, that would totally undercut Batman's ability to fight crime. <laughs> uh, like, she doesn't know that. Under this garb, we are perfectly normal Americans. <laughs> uh, Comrade Kitka, Miss Kitka, of course, is secretly Catwoman. If the name didn't give it away. Batman can't even put that riddle together. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, like, it's funny because right off the bat, after the exploding shark bit, uh, and Commissioner Gordon and Robin and Batman are like are piecing and it Chief together, O'Hara. and Chief O'Hara <laughs> are all piecing it together. That like, well, the shark pulled your leg. Oh, but it, it, like they tie to the Penguin, the Riddler, yeah, the Penguin, cat, like, the all Riddler, together, joke. and they're like, like something one, fishy kind of, about this. <laughs> and like one, on the one hand, it's great that a, uh, a superhero movie doesn't like wait to reveal this sort of like twist to the characters because the audience going in is gonna know that is built with multiple villains or whatever, right? Like, you know what you're getting into going in. And so the rest of the movie is about adap- the characters, like, having to adapt to these situations and, like, have to go through an arc, you know, like a movie. And, like, it, it becomes a problem nowadays. Yes. When, but what, one thing I would, should point out is when they look at the known super criminals still at large TV, <laughs> the images of all the criminals, they're all in the exact same room, and it's from the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's not mug shots, it's just them. <laughs> their forces combined, uh, their minimum objective must be the entire world. <laughs> and then we immediately cut to uh, ye old 
bar tavern or whatever the fuck it was called, <laughs> which is full of criminals and pirates. We have a bunch of pirate henchmen in this film. <laughs> I love it. Which, I love it. Which is something. They just like a lot of yo hos happening. <laughs> um, we get a we get a look at the United Underworld, which at which is actual slogan is today Gotham, tomorrow the world. Um, and we also get a lot of the famous uh, Dutch angles on all the villains. Um, just constant Dutch angles whenever they're talking. And goddamn, to watch these actors just bounce off each other, just eating the scenery, like trying to out-eat the scenery. <laughs> <laughs> it is some of the best movie watching you'll ever do. It's the kind of entertainment that that if you're really watching it, you can see like what makes it great like, in, in terms of uh, the actors' performances and everything. And then even like down to the character stuff, because you know it's it's actually really well put together. But you could also oh, have yeah. it just kind of casually on in the background and being like, ah, oh. like it's it's the perfect movie to watch at any time. It is. It's very well put together in that there's constant building and releasing of tension, <laughs> and we have a story that's always driving and a and an actual mystery plot. Like we actually don't know what the villain's plan is until like late into the film. Yeah, and we just know they're up to works. something nefarious. It, yeah. It's paced, like, properly. The, the only problem I would say is that it really does feel like three episodes of the TV series. And sometimes there's, like, pointless cliffhangers that are immediately resolved. That's my <laughs> only thing. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Even now, like, for movies that or t- television shows that do a movie, uh, that that's, like, a, a common thing, unfortunately. Because there's a cliffhanger, a very funny cliffhanger. Um where they they go to a buoy that must have projected the hologram ship and they get stuck to it and they the penguin starts firing torpedoes at them and they manage to defuse two of them before they hit but the third one's gonna hit and we think it did and we hear the explosion it's like oh only batman and robin could have died but nope they lived and how do they live a porpoise sacrificed his life to save them the nobility of the almost human porpoise. <laughs> that, God damn, I love this movie. That's the best Batman moment in movie history. Oh, God. It, this movie is full of them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, we should mention... my. I think my favorite moment might be when Batman calls the fucking Pentagon. <laughs> and the, the, the Navy Department. He's like, have you <laughs> sold any recent... <laughs> surplus submarines <laughs> pre-atomic and the guy's like yeah we sold it to a P.N. Gwyn <laughs> and Batman like gives like even then like even in this comedy Batman's like what the fuck <laughs> like yeah like maybe look into that one a little more before you sell a fucking submarine <laughs> It's like, oh, Batman, I sure hope we didn't do anything foolish. (laughs) (laughs) Although, to be fair, the U.S. government, I don't know. I feel like that's exactly something would happen, whether they meant to or not. Although they would probably mean to sell things to terrorists. (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, we just sell it to the Saudi. (laughs) (laughs) And then be like, see, they're dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Batman, I sure hope we didn't do anything foolish. Selling weapons to the Saudis. <laughs> oh, well. Um, uh, 
so that when that plan fails, they have to find a new way to uh, defeat Batman and Robin. Because basically, um... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, me too. I'm gonna keep laughing. Uh, basically, the villains realize that if Batman and Robin are walking around alive, they're gonna fool their, they're gonna foil the plans eventually. <laughs> <clears throat> so they have to kill them. It the it's simple. Kill the Batman. <laughs> so, um. They are gonna. The idea is, Catwoman, I believe, comes up with this one. They're gonna trick Batman and Robin to coming to their headquarters and launching them on a trampoline into an exploding octopus. <laughs> no, the Riddler. The Riddler came up with that plan. <laughs> and the way they're gonna lure him is by kidnapping socialite billionaire Bruce Wayne. <laughs> um. Which is actually a thing that happens in these films a lot, where it's like they they attack one of Bruce Wayne's functions, so it somehow becomes a conflict for will Batman reveal himself or can he reveal himself? This comes up a few times oh, in yeah, later yeah, films, yeah. and I, and I be, I believe is a ver- a recurring thing on the TV show because I mean, revealing your secret identity is one of like the very few tensions <laughs> on that show. <laughs> So, uh, Miss Kitka sets up a date with Bruce Wayne, and they, they deduce that it might be a trap, uh, so the Batmobile will stealthily watch the events. Um, I like the idea of that Batmobile on a stealth mission. <laughs> like, who's not gonna spot that? Also, we should mention Alfred wears a mask when he's on patrol with them. Oh, it's it's so good. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Oh, and I want to mention that uh, every every uh, Alfred that that winds up in one of these movies, fantastic. All all the Alfreds are great. All the Alfreds are a lot of fun, um, even when they're they're completely fucking up Batman and being completely not subtle with like, oh sir, I have to talk to you in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> That happens a lot. <laughs> the other car. <laughs> that's a recurring thing. Um, one thing that's recurring that I was shocked to see established in this film is that uh, the recurring theme of women can't be trusted. Because <laughs> uh, Catwoman's sexuality lowers Bruce Wayne's guard. <laughs> no, no. It's a very recurring thing that women that women will make you weak. <laughs> That being in a romantic or sexual relationship will weaken you. <laughs> um, I don't know if you, because I saw you tweet out about like uh, Bruce Wayne's relationship to women. I don't know if you were saving that for a later episode or if you wanted to touch on that now. Um, I will. It'll come up a lot, so <laughs> um, I think we have enough for today. Okay. It doesn't get deeper until maybe Batman Returns, and then it gets really explicit in all the Nolan films. <laughs> But I would say in every film, there's a weird Batman has a weird relationship with women. Yeah, and I will also talk about how Batman is like the ultimate male fantasy. <laughs> we should mention that there's a Benedict Arnold monument in Gotham City. <laughs> oh, what the fuck! The big screen gives us more space on land sea and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals ever their minimum 
objective must be the entire world. Well, when the criminals come to kidnap Bruce Wayne and Miss Kitka, we should mention they, they take flying umbrellas. <laughs> And uh, and Bruce Wayne is able to hold his own for a minute, but because he had he had lowered his guard because of uh, the sexual um, advances of Catwoman, uh, they're able to defeat him. But now they're in a problem because Batman can't rescue Batman because Bruce Wayne is Batman. <laughs> um, the criminals don't know why Batman isn't showing up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Only Batman's ever the detective. But he still manages to... He still manages to send out a radio signal with uh, his pocket radio transmitter, which he says capitalists like myself carry large who that carry large sums of money often have such contrivances. Also, another thing I did not expect in this film is that Batman violates his no kill rule. <laughs> also, a recurring um, which is thing. A, I well, I made the joke earlier that I said I don't. I think that gets violated in every Batman film except Batman sixty six. But nope, <laughs> it happens here because uh, a sailor is accidentally knocked on the trampoline, which launches him at the exploding octopus. <laughs> and later we get the dehydrated uh, guinea pigs that disintegrate if they're accidentally touched. I, I, I'm trying to save all the the other stuff for later because I'm gonna say like. Mm. I'm basically okay with that. No, no, it's it's, it's very movie. funny. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not pointing flaws at this. This is not a film that that prides itself on. <laughs> you know, it's not like Adam West made a point of saying he doesn't kill people at the beginning of the film, and then just fucking. <laughs> well, he does feel bad, but he does say that such a lifestyle, it shouldn't, we shouldn't mourn them too much. <laughs> Also, following uh, the scene where um, Batman breaks out of uh, the villain headquarters is where we get the very the infamous "Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb." Oh, sequence. Uh, which, if you haven't seen it, like words can't describe how fucking funny that scene is with the recurring marching band <laughs> and like that just keeps a hat like uh, the the marching band of three people. By the way, <laughs> also is um, a sequence repeated in a later film. Yes. Oh, no, the, yeah, it is. Um, Total, shocking. Totally different context. Uh, don't even know if it works as well, but... <laughs> yeah, actually, it, it works much better here. <laughs> it works significantly better here. <laughs> um, but we should mention that the villain's plot of this film is eventually revealed that they have kidnapped famous inventor Commodore Schmidlap um to steal his total dehydrator which was for the big ben distillery and they're going to use the total dehydrator to kidnap the members of the united world security council and hold the world hostage that's the plan but in the middle of all this the riddler can't help but send riddles to batman and robin <laughs> If you, if you want to point at something that really uh, points at a uh, how these characters change in the popular consciousness, we have moments in this film where the Joker is begging the Riddler to ask reasonable, act reasonable. Because <laughs> the Riddler just cannot stop himself from sending the riddles. He's an addict. Riddles which are totally nonsensical, but honestly, I think the nonsensical riddles work better here than when they try actual riddles. 
in later films. Because the thing is, Batman's supposed to be the world's greatest detective. So it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't be able to solve the riddles that get thrown at him. Especially in Batman Forever, where the riddles feel like they were picking, picked right out of like a joke book. Yeah, but Jim Carrey makes them work. Jim Carrey makes something happen. We do get a lot of unfortunate stereotypes with the United World Council. Ah, uh, yes. Yes, we do. God damn, is this a weird movie? It's it's utterly bizarre and totally heartwarming in a weird way. And I was surprised by how touching it was at times. <laughs> like, in a really weird way, I thought it was really touching. Uh, more, more towards the end of the film. Its earnestness is something. Which meant I actually really like the fighting in this. Like, it's clearly staged, but... And also, like, the, the stunt doubles do not look at all like the actors they're supposed to be. <laughs> well, it's uh, kind of like Adam, uh, the original series, Star Trek fighting. Yeah, Adam West looks a lot... Adam West does a lot of his own stuff, but it's usually the villains that get the stunt doubles. That's not the only thing he did. Hey-o. Hey. Uh, there's, I don't want to mention this, because it's, like, my favorite article ever. Uh, mm. We uh, tragically lost Adam West uh, about two years ago. Yes. And um, there's this great Maxim article where someone was quoted as saying that Adam West and Burt Ward, like there was basically so much boning happening on and off <laughs> and around the set uh, that they were described as sexual vampires. Hey, now. And I just, I, I believe I just it. think that's incredible. He ba- Adam West really loved being Batman. <laughs> he loved other stuff too to the point where i think when they offered him a cameo in batman 89 he said no i want to be batman <laughs> and uh, that of course did not happen Aww. um although someone should have fucking given him a cameo at some point there was such a shame around this series for so long that i really hate that that was a thing that like adam west was like mocked for years it didn't seem to bother him at all but it bothers me <laughs> <laughs> well it's um Especially in the, the early 2000s and, like, uh, up until recently still. Even now, less so. But, uh, again, like, I brought up how things are being, like, recontextualized and reanalyzed in, in better views. Because, uh, I mean, the, the whole post-9-11 thing, everyone needed to take everything seriously. Yes. And it just, it, it sort of drained, like, the excitement out of everything for, for a while. And I think we're barely kind of reacclimating to it. I mean, like, Aquaman... Made more money than every Dark Knight movie. I think yes. I think people are really starting to come around on wanting uh, these types of movies and these stories to be colorful, literally, and also like metaph- metaphysically, metaphorically, just like in the stories they're telling and how they tell them. I think there's a real desire to see this stuff pop up in this capacity again. Also, China loves them, and I don't know why. And here are the dastardly villains. The Catwoman. You're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. The Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. (laughs) The Penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble. Batman and Robin. (laughs) The Riddler. Question. Who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? I do want to mention the ending because I, I love the ending. The fight on there's the fight on the submarine, of course, uh, which uh, is a lot of fun. Uh, the big the climactic battle. <laughs> I just, I gotta love Burgess Meredith is like working that 
umbrella, which he also he has like sleeping gas umbrellas. He's got <laughs> a one that lights a cigarette. Um, that's ah, so good. God damn, this is the best. This is the shit right here. <laughs> it is. It, it totally is. But my, my favorite bit is still the ending where um, after the World Security Council is dehydrated in powder dust, uh, Batman and Robin are hard at work in, in their lab trying to rehydrate them into existence. And Robin brings up the idea that, hey, maybe, you know, like, given yeah, we the, could change them. Yeah, the, given the way the world is, we could change, alter these people to... To, to make the world a better place. And Batman says no, because uh, mortals shouldn't tamper with the, the, the nature of things. And, and they just and have we to saw hope. earlier with the dehydrated pirates what happens. Yeah, and they just have when. to hope that these people will, will uh, help others live peacefully of their own accords. And I, I thought that was... That might be the most like inspirational Batman thing out of all of the movies. <laughs> well, it's funny because you do see that. That's another current thing where there will always be a moment where Batman goes like, no, I can't go farther than that. That 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 comes up in the later films. Um, it doesn't seem to be in the Burton films where he doesn't give a shit about anything. Yeah. But um, in the Nolan films a lot. But here it's like, I don't know, there's some weird actual weight to it. Yeah, that's the thing. Genuine, like, catharsis almost for for the characters and like the the world they're trying to save but it's not that they're they're for the status quo it's that they need to preserve some semblance of like normality which i think is is very interesting we should also mention the uh the heartbreak that batman feels <laughs> at realizing miss kitka was catwoman the whole time i was howling <laughs> <laughs> Like a, there's just a close up on his face and like opera music. What the fuck? Like, <laughs> it's brilliant. And it's like, come on, Kitka. 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 Eh. World's greatest detective. <laughs> Not much detecting in any of these movies. But, uh, no, I mean, there's a little bit. There's there's a tiny bit, and some of uh, which I don't understand in one of the later films, but we'll some definitely of them get does. to some it. Some of it doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. Yeah, I, I think we I think everyone knows the one. <laughs> That's like, why did that happen? Like he's clearly investigating, but why did what does that lead him to? <laughs> yeah, it it well, it doesn't make any sense. Well, whatever. The animated stuff actually does that pretty well. Yeah, but even the animated has to keep to like kid logic cuz it's still a show for kids. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Um Still good. Yeah. Oh, okay. So once the security council is rehydrated, it turns out they've all kind of body swapped with one another. But it doesn't change much. It doesn't change much. And Batman and Robin just have to hope for the best and that it doesn't make the world worse off than it was. And I love his last lines, just like, let's sneak out quietly through the back and using our bat ropes or whatever. Yes. <laughs> like, they could have just fucked up the state of the world and they're just like, gonna, all right, slowly back out of the room. <laughs> The living end? Question mark. Oh, five stars. There's only one scene where Batman and Robin are at night. That's interesting. Yeah. Considering we don't get daytime Batman until, again, until, like, Dark Knight Rises, I think. Fuck, that's right. Yeah. I remember because everyone was like, whoa, that looks weird. 
And it's like, yeah, it kind of does, but like, I don't see anything wrong with Batman during the day. It's just, it's so weird that it's not a more common thing. I came back to stop you. <laughs> and I wish uh, Bane had been around for the 60s Batman. Oh, man. They would have had a blast with that. Yeah. Maybe they would have cast an actual Mexican actor. That would have been cool. Or, yeah, for or let, He would have probably actually been like, uh, what is that? The wrestler. What is the Mexican wrestler genre called again? Luchador? Luchador, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, he would have been that. Yeah, that would have been perfect. It would have worked perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but oh well. Yeah, and he wants to challenge the Batman in, in Gotham, but it's... In a live arena. Yeah. <laughs> Which so, honestly would have worked a lot better than his plan in the Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> we, don't, we don't focus on the plan in Dark Knight Rises. We focus on the, 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 the talking... And the ideas. It doesn't matter who we are. What matters is our plan. That's the greatest thing ever. That's, that might be the greatest thing to come out of superhero movies. The Bane voice. Uh, <laughs> now that we've gone to like the full extreme of now, we've had an R-rated Batman film. Um, kind of, because again, it was, a, it was only on DVD. It was R-rated. Um, but now that we've done that, I wish we could see the pendulum swing more in this direction again. Uh, this is the type of Batman movie I'd like to see. Unfortunately, that is probably something that would not play well in China, so I doubt we'll see anything like it. Because comedies do not translate well. Yeah, I remember when everyone thought, Crazy Rich Asians made so much in like other parts of the world, they're going to love it back in China, and then it just like got brutal uh. reviews, and it made like $5, and everyone's like, wait, what? Even that, like, which was basically made for that market, did not... Yeah, I think it was even produced by some Chinese companies. There's, like, a trilogy of books or whatever, and they're all getting adapted now because it was a hit, but, like, they were just shocked. And to mm -hmm. be honest, I kind, I kind of am, too. But, I mean, that's... You're right. Comedies and lighthearted things generally don't, don't travel unless they're, like, big, roaring adventure stuff. That might be explained the, like, le lessening of comedy in films than, uh... I might explain it more than, you know, post 9-11. And just comedy doesn't translate as well. Or both. Both could be true. Or both. Both both are probably true. Yeah. I came up with both those ideas, so they're probably true. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, you came up with them. Yeah, yeah. No one else no one, has, no has one on the internet these. has ever made that point. Nope. Nope. Just just me. You'll blast through the skies on these mad, manned missiles. And you'll be with me, Robin. At the Bat Scanner, eavesdropping on Batman's romance. And you'll shudder at the death-dealing Polaris missiles. Brace yourself, Robin. This could be the end. So that was Batman 66. This will probably end up being the shortest episode of our retrospective. Probably, yeah, because uh, we, we talked about another comedy film recently where uh, it, it is a little harder to talk about in, in terms of, like, everything else. But, um... I, I'm, I'm glad we're starting off on the right note for these. Because yes. these, these might get more quote-unquote serious as they go along. And then back mm -hmm. to goofy and then back to serious. And then unintentionally goofy. I will have a lot of fun interjecting goofy shit into pretty much every episode, though. Because there's some funny... There's some unintentional humor in pretty much every Batman film. Oh, yeah. That's why they're awesome. Uh, yeah. But we're going to jump about, like, 33 years, I guess, between this and... <laughs> Batman 89. Yeah. Uh, Another film that 
honestly kind of went through a bit of a, a fan backlash for a little while. You see that backlash kind of still going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I still see that. Uh, but I think it helps that we've had maybe the worst Joker ever on screen. <laughs> think of people that reevaluate Jack Nicholson's Joker as well as the film as a whole. Mm-hmm. But in the in the era of the Nolan films, you, people just shit on the Burton ones constantly. Yeah, I I was I was guilty of it. I'm not going to say they're perfect, but there's a lot in them that there's a lot of value in them that we will get into, and I'm looking forward to it. Just to compare, I have two pages of notes for Batman the movie, which we just discussed. Um, Batman '89, I have two pages of notes for the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting detailed on this one. No, no, I'm I'm glad. Uh, the Burton era and the Schumacher era. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. For all of these movies, I'm not going to say what I think about all of them, but I like James Bond in a way. They're all kind of representative of their era. And at least the filmmakers, too. For better and worse, um, they're all, they all feel like they have an identity. Which So I like that a lot. There's at least, at every film, even the worst ones, have something positive in them. And I'm saying that about literally all of them. Wow, I'm actually surprised to hear you say that. Yeah. It's not Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze, though. That was a big mistake. <laughs> no, I, I love that. All right, Matt, where could the people find you? I'm at EmperorOTN at Twitter.com and YouTube. And you can find me on Twitter.com as well at D-E-G-G-O-Waffles. Check out the rest of the Waffle Press. Like and subscribe. If you didn't like that, like and subscribe anyways because you might find something you do like. So thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Hang on, my doorbell just rang. Mine too, actually. That's weird. All right, hang on. Let me go get that. Oh, there's a box. I got a package. It says it's uh, from a wine distillery. From a Mr. P.N. Gwyn. That's weird. Did you get the same thing? I did. That's odd. Yeah. Odd timing. Yeah, really weird. Okay, hang on. I'm going I'm to open it up. Yeah, let's, let's open it up. Oh, dear God. It's, it's a bomb. We have, we have, we have what? precious little time, Diego. We have to defuse the bomb. Oh my god, oh my god. In the middle of the retrospective, we just started it. <laughs> yes, we have to. We must. Oh my Ten god. Ten seconds. Quick, before it's too late. Will the dynamic duo escape the Penguin's dastardly plot? Will the Batman retrospective continue? Will Diego actually release the episode on time? Tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin.